You're listening to the Pittsburgh Podcast Network, available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and pittsburghpodcastnetwork.com. Football's back, baby. The withdrawal's over, thank goodness. You know what that means. It's time to go to FanDuel. FanDuel.com. If you haven't joined FanDuel, you are missing out on such a fun football experience. Fantasy football for everyday fans. I've been doing it a few years now, and I really enjoy this. You're the general manager, and you already know you're a great GM, right? You have a budget, like a cap, and you pick your players, you select players, and then you just enter a contest. It's that easy. I, I play like a dollar or two dollars. You can play more if you want. You'll just win more money. Try beginner contests for new players. They have all these new features now for, for beginners. It's, it's really fun to do. And they have a special offer for new users. Just sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com. Click the Join Now button. And use my code, KREN, K-R-E-N-N. All right? You get the special offer. When you deposit, you get five free entries to NFL Beginner Contest. You'll get one free entry a week. Five weeks in a row. Don't forget to use my code, KREN, for the free entries. You'll really love this if you're a football fanatic, which I already know you are. Have fun, and hope hope you win a lot of money. I know you will. Welcome to Jim Corrin. No restrictions on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. Today, Jim's guest is the only man to be head of both the NSA and the CIA, Pittsburgh native General Michael Hayden. Also on the show is Jim's buddy and the General's brother, Harry Hayden, and former Pittsburgh Steeler Craig Wolfley drops in on the show as well. Here he is, radio and comedy legend Jim Cren with episode 150 of No Restrictions. Oh my God. That is stunning. Yeah. Dave, this has got to be your next He's the He's our adventure vacation guy here. It's, it's, look at it's, this. It's Dubrovnik. In, That's uh, amazing. Oh, yeah. the no, girls, the girls were. This is a big cruise destination. Now. It is. Yeah. Would it be? Would, they poured out of Venice. Is it real no. expensive? Yeah, ac- actually, um, no. I mean, all, all things considered, yeah. it's not. And actually, it's very interesting because this is actually a Venetian city. Huh. And it was built by the Venetians yeah. when, of course, they were running all the yeah. commerce in the Mediterranean, and. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just like that. I did not expect that. Yeah. Not in Croatia. Food really? wonderful. Well, Croatian um, food I like, but and, yeah. um, um, it, it's kind of rough Italian, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite the finish or the finest Italian, but kind of basic stuff. And the yeah. breads, breads are great. Huh. Spectacular. So that's good. But you asked me about the stability. Yes. And they, they, they they're having trouble. They're a little bit like us. They're kind of evenly divided. Yeah. And they can't kind of break one way or the other. I, um, we had one of the guys from one of the ruling parties come talk to us at the Chertoff Group, mm-hmm. potential um, conversation about a national security strategy for the Croatian Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't go anywhere, but it was an mm-hmm. interesting chap. The, the reason they came to me was that um, one of their party leaders used to be the head of their intelligence services. Oh, and okay. And he and I had worked together huh. in... Uh, when I was in government, uh, now uh, your your post career uh, retired. Or you're not retired in a way. Cause you, you're busier now. You're out of government. You're yeah. not retired. You're far from it. You're busier now. Like I said, off the air, you're more popular than Fallon. I turn around every time you're on TV. It's awesome. 
Uh, are you loving this aspect of your life? You, know, it, you it, didn't it, expect this. I know no, you're not like a camera. You want no, to be a camera. You are no, now. Look, but, I, but, I, but I did feel a certain responsibility to, to kind of, look, if I knew something about this and it was an important conversation for the country, uh, I mean, look, you, you watch the 7x24s as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they thrive on confront, confrontation. They thrive on argument. It's cheap. Yeah. You know, I'll bring a campaign spokesman for X. Somebody brings in one from Y. You yeah. throw the red meat on the table. They yell at one for eight minutes. And then somebody <laughs> says, oh, thank you guys for coming in. Let's cut to commercial. And they've, they've filled their space and it costs them not a penny. Um, and I, I just thought that, you know, people who actually experience this may actually know a little bit about it to come in and talk. And, and, and Jimmy, my, my kind of broad rule was pull the conversation to the center. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't feed the extremes. For example, I, I was there with Candy Crowley once, and mm-hmm. I was out of government maybe two years, three years, and this is after we went into Libya, yeah. which ended up very unhappily, which mm-hmm. is actually very predictable. But mm-hmm. in any event, um, we're there talking, and I'm giving all the downsides. And she said, well, so, General, you're saying this is a bad idea. And I said, well, Candy, I've been in that room. I've been there for those meetings. Let me just say I'd, I'd have been a voice of caution at the hmm. table. Mm-hmm. which is a whole lot different than chewing the carpet and condemning these people for making making the decision. Saying things made. almost to say things, too. Well, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Perfect segue, Mike. I remember when you first retired and I asked you, I said, hey, you going to write a book? And you kind of like, eh, you're like, up, you, and I knew you didn't want to, you're not the kind of guy that would trash talk people and i and i know publishers much prob- much right no, no you're much. not that not guy much, you're class much. act you are no you're, you're a pittsburgh guy you're a pittsburgh guy you're loyal mike's and harry my friends when i'm up and my friends when i'm down that's the best way to describe a pittsburgh guy we're solid <laughs> and and we keep the negative stuff to ourselves and that's just the way do you know because we we stay in our own lane that's the way it is you know and that's yeah. the right way to be but you said i don't you know i don't do that and, and, but it's 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 interesting i when you came out with your book, and I, and I read right. it, it was, br- I'm not just saying because you're my buddy, but it was brilliant. It was brilliant because it was interesting. You didn't have to trash anybody. You just told a story. It was a storytelling well, book, in a way, well, it, it of was. the government, but it was interesting. It was yeah, and I don't know whether or not it was brilliant, Jimmy, but it was I, me. I, 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 I mean, an entertainer, I see yeah, the, the edge. People have balance. told me it sounds like me. <laughs> it right? did. And which is good. I mean, that made me feel good that it wasn't, you know, I wasn't assuming some alternative persona in yeah. order to to go ahead and write the book it was like talking yeah, play, playing to the edge of course uh, it, it's called american intelligence in the age of terror right which is why uh, your comments on television are always amazing and uh, to me and and truthful uh it, it is a scare it's a scary time uh, uh, we live in mike and, and you you did the best you could and and they're still doing the best they can and that's kind of what i got out of the book i was right. like you know what? This is hard work. It's hard work. There, <laughs> yeah. There's no. It's kind of well, gray. Not really right. It's well, really look, a tough job. I don't want to sound too political yeah. here, okay? Yeah. But you know, it's really unfair to say things are screwed up because the guys there now are are stupid, weak, and corrupt. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's screwed up because it's really hard. It's hard job. Yeah. There's no really right answers, gray answers, and you're trying to be on the the best you can. You're right. human being. One of the things in the book is pretty wild, and and you don't. I don't think of this stuff. And it's the stuff behind the scenes that you you unveiled in the sense that we were kind of antiquated with our computer system. Oh God, and, yeah. And when you you took over, it's a, you said that the 
the NSA, uh, the, the whole system went down. Or yeah. And I was it, amazed at that. We were shut. The government was could have been attacked. Oh, well, no. It, it, right? It, it, yeah. It was a big deal. <laughs> um, no one thought of updating. So, so to, to, to kind of explain what happened was our, our IT system had... We just kept adding on. In the book, I said, remember remember Darren McGavin on the Christmas story, plugging in the Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. That that was our computer system. <laughs> okay? You yeah. just, you we just didn't kept, invest much in there. <laughs> you just kept plugging stuff in. And, and and then one day, it just acted like the Christmas tree did. It went out. The Christmas story. It just went down. And it took us about three days to catch up. Now, I did, I did a little research, all right, yeah. to make sure I got it just right. And truth be told, we lost about two-thirds of our data hmm. um, just on how we work as an agency. Yeah. We got friends who <laughs> actually do some things for us. About a third of what we did was still coming out the back end, all right? Okay. But two-thirds, two-thirds was being collected, but it, it couldn't go anywhere. Huh. All right, you you collected it at the at the point of access, whether it's uh, a microwave shot or whatever. You, right. You you collected it, but we couldn't move it, so we had to buffer it. So we we just had to park it at the point of collection. Well, that means two thirds of the stuff we normally go through to make sure nothing's going to go bump tonight. Yeah. We weren't seeing. Huh. And so when and it took happen? us three three and a, yeah, and, and the big danger was something would happen, which then, if, if you saw in the book, mm -hmm. I really emphasized to the workforce, this can't leak. That was the wildest thing. Yeah. The only I mean, thing these are employees, man. Yeah. You know, 15,000. 15, Got to hand it to them. They'd the leak. Only thing worse, <laughs> the only thing worse than what I just described to you mm -hmm. was what I just described to you, plus our enemies knowing. That's the, that's the biggest fear. Yeah. You. But they kept, they, they kept a secret. We we got it back back up and, and running. I, I tell the story that uh, it was middle of a blizzard, so it was a little bit easier to keep things up and running yeah. or, or keep a secret yeah. because not many people were coming to work. <laughs> but it also it made it hard. George Tenet uh, dispatched some, how do I put this, yeah. aircraft to which he had access <laughs> as to the DCI, and he sent them through the blizzard to get some of the parts we needed. And they flew back into Baltimore in the height of the blizzard to get the uh, to get, to get the it done. I mean, to, to and make it happen. Of, wow, talk about a start to a gig, man. <laughs> You're like, this is going to well, be this going to be a rough one. <laughs> well, that, that actually, um, it was kind of liberating because mm. I had been I had been director of NSA for about ten months when mm. that happened. We, we all knew we were. Oh, it's not working well. Not to be fair to the people, too, Jimmy. Yeah, I'm not yeah. coming in on some night on horseback here to save the day. I mean, they're out of money. It was an era they're, change, they're out too. out of interest, right? and, and technology was changing, mm -hmm. and, and we had to keep up. And I, and I knew we had, to, we had to do some big stuff, but I was, I was cautious. I was new to the agency. I'd never been in the agency before. And um, it is, it was, and is a national treasure. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you want to keep in mind is so don't make this worse, Hayden. Don't, <laughs> don't make any bad decisions. And then after the IT system went belly up, we finally got it up and running again after about three or four days. I actually had a quiet conversation with myself and said, okay, Hayden, you're still not sure about a lot of stuff, but there is no course of action you could decide on yeah. to go forward that would be worse than sitting here doing nothing. Hmm. And so we just 
we just launched. Plowed through. Yeah. Anyway. Now, <clears throat> fast forward to the, the hunt for Bin Laden. Yeah. Uh, we've got to talk about that, obviously. Uh, I'm sure that was, uh, you're the head of the CIA. It's, uh, it, well, first off, I don't want to go off track. We talked about this off the air, too, before. You love Homeland, the show Homeland. I do, yeah. Yeah. And that's how we picture your job. In, uh, well, <laughs> in a way, right? You picture so, that. How so me, accurate is that? So just? let me tell you a story, all right? So I get invited because of where it was I used to work. I get invited downtown Washington at a place called the Corcoran Gallery mm-hmm. for the Washington premiere of the first episode of the second season of Homeland. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So we're down there. We're walking. You know, we saw the we saw the episode in the little theater there. And, of course, they had members of the cast and... Writers were there, yeah. and I walked up to Mandy Patinkin, yeah. who plays Saul, yep. and I walked up to him and said, Mr. Patinkin, hi, I'm Mike Hayden. <laughs> I also used to play the director of CIA. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it was really quite remarkable. He said, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I recognize you. And he wanted to talk. I mean, he wanted to get my Perspective on, on how you did for it. Well, playing the character. Huh. He was. Huh. I mean, he's really serious about his craft. That's that's awesome. And and so there is some accuracy in a way on the show. The, the way I describe it, Jimmy, is everything in the foreground is wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, the, the short version is you pull a cell phone out at Langley, mm-hmm. all right. The best thing's going to happen to you is you're pulling your nose out of the floor. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right? Okay. And there are a whole bunch of things worse than that. No yeah. one's going to use a cell phone at Langley. Okay. It's that kind of stuff. That's never happening. Yeah. And and uh, of course, you didn't even they, think of that. You're they right. got the agency playing fast and loose with the law. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But but to be fair, all the stuff in the background. Yeah. That rings true. That rings true. The focus. Yeah. The almost obsession with the mission. Mm-hmm. The mission. A little bit of them and us that we're we're doing this and yeah. and 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 other people aren't. That all rings very very true. Huh. Now, the hunt for Bin Laden. You you were part of that. That that's a team effort. That was a lot long. It took a, a lot uh, longer it, than than people think in the sense oh, that yeah. you you were part of the the courier idea, weren't you? Well, the, so originally? they came in. We had a we had a Bin Laden unit inside the CTC inside the Counterterrorism Center. Okay, and you know, um, I I actually turned to my CTC chief once and said, "For God's sake, why is it taking us so long to find Bin Laden?" <laughs> and he turns to me and says, "Because he's hiding." <laughs> Which you know, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, yeah. and, and in fact, in fact, in fact, I mean, what that means is. He's giving up a lot of capacity, mm. all right? He's giving up a lot of things he could otherwise be doing in order just to stay alive. And so even when we're not finding him, mm-hmm. we are suppressing those things he might otherwise be doing. Not a very quality life. Huh? Right, right. Another and one. so, I th- Jimmy, I think it was late 07, maybe early 08, the bin Laden cell came into me and said, we're going to try another approach here. I said, well, what do you got? He says, we, 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 think we, got, we think we got a deal on the courier. We think we can track the courier. We, look, we know. We have flooded the zone. He is not doing all this leading and directing electronically. Right. So he's got to be doing it face-to-face. We've, we've got some sense that we want to follow with regard to the courier. So I actually took that downtown and told Secretary Rice and the president and the vice president, yeah. hey, we're working on it. I got nothing to report here, but and they they began then working 
at the courier network to Abu Ahmed al-Kuwaiti, who was mm -hmm. the actual courier. Um, in writing the book, I went back and did some research in my files. And I used to talk to President Bush one-on-one, -on -one, guaranteed, every Thursday morning when I would tell him about our covert action and sensitive collection. Mm -hmm. And so, Jimmy, I, I was just thumbing through this big box of documents. I was looking for something else yeah. and in order to write the book, trying to be accurate. Yeah. And I came across my notes from a Thursday morning briefing in December of 2008. Hmm. And I pulled the notes out and started reading it, and there it was. We were telling him, Mr. President, the courier is Abu Ahmed al-Kuwaiti. And so huh. you could see that, that, the, that the, the, you know, the plot thickens. Yes. You know, over yes. the course of that year, we had gotten more specific information. And then, of course, Leon Panetta comes in. He's got Followed the same, up. same team working. And they work their way. Now, look, let me, let me, let me, this is really important, I think, yeah. maybe for your, for your listeners. Yeah. So Mike Morell um, was, he started out as my number three. Okay. My, it's called the executive director. And then I moved him over to be head of all CIA analysis. Mike's really smart. Yeah. And, and he actually was, was uh, they, they liked him a lot in the, in the, Obama administration. So I think okay. he had a good relationship with the president. So as they're kind of thinking, okay, we got this thing in Abbottabad. Uh, this guy, mm. he's kind of tall. He takes a walk. It's hard to get a good look at him. Mm. I don't know. What is he, a drug lord or what? And so, and so finally, in the margins of a meeting, President Obama says to Michael, he says, Michael, what do the people at the agency think? Hmm. What's in their gut? Yeah. He goes, Mr. President, it goes from 50-50 to 90% that it's him. Hmm. And I suspect the president then responds with, well, Michael, that's not really very useful, <laughs> what you just told me. Uh, yeah. he, said, what, what, he said, what's going on? He said, Mr. President, every analyst on this task that touched the Iraqi weapons of mass destruction thing, mm -hmm. they're no better than 50-50. <laughs> The so people, the people who have done nothing but Bin Laden, hmm. they're ninety ten, hmm. and you could see. That, I think Michael sensed the president was right. like, ah, okay. And then Michael said, "Mr. President, one more thing. Um, you know, our Iraqi weapons of mass destruction estimate mm -hmm. was based on circumstantial evidence, and we got it wrong. So is this." Hmm. And frankly, Mr. President, we had more circumstantial evidence that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction than yes. we have circumstantial evidence that this is really Osama bin Laden. Hmm. Wow. Mm. I'm telling you the story, Jimmy, to kind of point out that it's hard stuff. It really is. It's, a, it's almost yeah. an intelligent guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, way, you, right? you, you reduce the odds, you, you narrow the shot group, you get it down to, I know that can't happen, I know that won't work. Hmm. And now you're in this. I was about a year in the job at CIA. I was talking to to a group of people whom I've now learned a, a new term for: high net worth individuals. <laughs> okay, and 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 one of these high net, they were actually investment folks, and and someone whose name you would recognize, but I will not mention, okay. says to me after I'd kind of given him the overview of the global hotspots. Yeah, he said, General, on a scale of zero to ten. How would you rank CIA analysis? And I said, well, sir, 
first thing you got to understand is we don't do eight, nine, or ten. <laughs> if you can get something to eight, nine, or ten, yeah. they're not asking us the question. That's going to the Department of Commerce or something. Okay, that's yeah. <laughs> we we get and then to badly mix my metaphors here, but you and your listeners will get this, mm-hmm. Jimmy. We get the hard sliders on the black of the plate at the <laughs> knees. <laughs> Okay, that's 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 what we can. Ask. You get the tough pitches, man. <laughs> yeah, in other words, right. yeah. I'm, well, yeah. in in it's almost like any decision you make publicly, uh, the media, the way the media is, they you're going to get somebody attacking you. Now, and, and there's always the conspiracy theorists, and I got to ask you this because being the head of the uh, NSA and the CIA, there's always you know Uncle Johnny or somebody, hey, you know what. They're listening to your conversations. Yeah. Like they want to hear me talk about the Steelers yeah. and yeah. buying scratch offs yeah. or something. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, th- th- do, th- do they? That, th- that persists. I, I really can't say, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> the- no, no, no. Scratch them. <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, um, you know that persists, mm. and and it's it's a little. It, it puts people like me and the people I worked with off balance. Yeah. Because we don't. We wouldn't. You never. don't have the time to yeah. do it. And so occasionally, mm-hmm. occasionally I'm out there talking, you know, and saying, here's what we're doing here. And, hey, hey, I'm with you, big guy. You, li- you want to listen to my phone calls? You want to listen to my emails? That's just great. Don't worry about it. And I say, no. We're not doing we that. We don't do that. And by the way, you're not helping me. It's by doing that. By like, saying that. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Acknowledging you are. Yeah, that's interesting how that, that perception you know comes about. I, I I guess it's just part of that paranoia. Well, we live look, in the times we live in now. Look, look, a lot of Americans' view of American espionage mm-hmm. is shaped by American popular culture. You're right in movies, television. Yeah, exactly, it's exactly right. So I, I tell a story in the book. I know I've been selected to be the director of NSA. All right, I'm mm-hmm. out in Korea. Yeah. I'm serving there. I'd come back for an interview, and I was told, yeah, you're going to get the job. But it's not publicly announced. Yeah. So my wife, Janine, and I go to the base theater at Yongsong Garrison in Seoul okay. on, a, on a Friday night. It's filled with GIs, you know. And, and the movie is Will Smith, Enemy of the State. Ah. And, Perfect uh, movie. Oh, yeah. And if you recall the plot line, an NSA civilian senior kills a senator in order to have a better shot at being the deputy director. Like, and I'm watching this God movie. Yeah, I'm watching this movie sinking in my seat. And Janine turns to me and says, so what did you have to do? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, that, well, it must be surreal because you're you've always been a humble, regular guy. You might like I said proud to call your friend and Harry proud to call your your friend. Uh, and it's funny because you're up on North Side. I grew up in the Strip District. We're Pittsburgh guys, and uh, it's just hard work and everything. But there had to be a moment where you just went, "This is a bit surreal." When was that happen? So, what was the moment? Okay, so. My deputy at CIA was a fellow named Steve Kappas. Okay. Steve was career agency, is a legendary case officer, served overseas in a lot of tough places. Yeah. Um, Steve's from Eastern Ohio. Same kind of background that you just described yeah. for, for me and Harry. Um, he's actually a Browns fan. And, uh, so <laughs> we'll I, forgive him. <laughs> on, on, Monday, on Monday mornings, I would come in and say, Steve, when we talk football, do I have to say long-suffering Browns fan, or is that just understood? <laughs> <laughs> so Steve and I had a lot of a lot of similar yeah. character background characteristics, and uh, so <laughs> more than once we would be sitting in my office and we'd have that, the team in, and you know the way you get to the way you get to go in 
the agency is yeah. you stand up in front of the director and deputy and they they start punching you with questions hmm. what happens what, what if that what if that and so on and so forth yeah. and uh, and so before you go uh, do something either in terms of a covert action or a very sensitive collection the director and the deputy really have to ring it pretty tight yeah and more than once jimmy after we had done that and we said all right let's go let's do it and the room would empty yeah. steve and i would just hang back we'd be sitting at, sitting at the conference table and one of us or the other would turn to the other and simply say do you blank and believe <laughs> that two kids from western pennsylvania yeah. and eastern ohio would ever make that kind of decision it's amazing <laughs> it is amazing you you earned it obviously and, and it must be really to you it's a job and i i get it and it's, it's service obviously but you mentioned <laughs> talking to the president every Thursday. That's surreal to me. That's yeah. that's just amazing to me. I would be overwhelmed. But that must have been the coolest thing in the world to be able to hang on, walk around the White House, talk to the president on a weekly you know, basis. In a certain way, you're, actually, actually, the most right? for someone of my background. Yeah. Okay, maybe my personality. Uh, the most dangerous thing I had to be careful of was not to be intimidated by that. Hmm. Okay, so I tell a story that um, you're sitting down here in the sit room, okay, the president's at the head of the table, yeah. and uh, the, the intel guys are kind of down on the one corner. Sit room's very small. Okay. You're down on one corner of the, of the uh, conference table, and the president appears to be making eye contact with you and asks a question. Now you know he cannot possibly be asking this question to you because you have no clue what the answer <laughs> is. And, and uh, clearly the president yeah. is, is kind of looking over your shoulder to the subject matter expert in the row of chairs against the wall right behind you. Okay. Until you kind of look out yeah. of the corner of your eye and there ain't nobody in those chairs. You're like, hey, I'm, <laughs> he's talking have, to you. This is, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man. And, and so you, you just have to realize that uh, whether you think you ought to be in that chair or not, he does. So it's and time if, to... And if, you, if you're a person of faith, someone else does. Right, right. And so he, he actually does want to know what you think. Mm. And, and I had heard that President Bush was a... Uh, kind of a warm guy, kind of a welcoming guy. He wasn't look, really an intimidating kind um, of a, or was he? Or, he look, he, he 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 always knew where he stood on an issue. <laughs> okay, I never left a meeting with that man not knowing exactly what he wanted me to do. Was he Kurt? Was he was ball business like or was, no? Did he no, joke no. Around? He, he could. Joke, he, well, oh, he, he talked he, football and everything. Or oh, just oh, oh, he after um, after the last Super Bowl win. Yeah. All right, he's he's down in Crawford, right? I'm I'm still CIA director for three weeks. Yeah. So I went down to Tampa, CIA director, to watch the watch the win, last minute fingertip oh, catch in the corner. Right. And with, within two days, I got a I got a, a card in the mail from the former president <laughs> of the United States saying, "Hail to the mighty Steelers." He gave you the yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, we we uh, talked one one day. I'm sitting in the in the outer office. Yeah. And. Um, and I could see him at his desk in the oven. He goes, Mikey, the only person to call me Mikey outside of my personal family. Right. <laughs> okay. president he, he says, Mikey, get in here. So I, I walk in. I turn, hey, you know uh, Tony, don't you? Yeah. And I turn around and says, oh, hello, Mr. Prime Minister. Uh, you know Tony, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so there is a certain oh, air God. of informality. But let me tell you a serious story. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve and I had a, a covert action we were going to go undertake that was the edgiest one we've ever done. Okay. And um, is this uh, toward the end of your tenure? This covert action? I, 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 can't say. I, I don't want to put it in time. Okay. Like, I don't yeah. want people speculate. Confidential. Yeah. It's, it's a... And uh, yeah, when 
operationally, legally, right on the edge. Okay. And so we were concerned, so we called Steve Hadley and said, Steve, I think we want to talk to the president. Hmm. He says, Mike is up at Camp David. I'll set it up. So we went up there to Camp David. Um, it was in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. And went up to Camp David and walked into the, to the main cabin there. And the president has a little office, very informal office there. Yeah. And we sat for about 45 minutes talking to him about this, expressing some of our concerns. And we got back in the car, driving down the, the hill from yeah. Camp David to Washington. And Jimmy, it was clear to me that uh, if we thought we should go ahead and do this, mm-hmm. we were going to go do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we thought we shouldn't, the president was never going to ask us about it again. Mm-hmm. He, had, he had listened to what we said, yeah. hadn't said, thou shalt, <laughs> just kind of let us know where, where his comfort level was, yeah. and um, kind of left it to us. We did do it. Okay. It was very successful, yeah. and about three months later, I'm up at Camp David. This time, just being invited up for the weekend. Yeah. And as you're going, as I was going into dinner, and at Camp David with President Bush, it's family style. Me, just sit at a table, they pass the peas, pass yeah. the potatoes, and yeah. so on. And as we're we're going into to dinner, uh, the President says, "Mike, how you doing?" I said, "I'm I'm I'm doing great, Mr. President." And he pulled me aside. He said, "No, I mean, how you doing spiritually?" Wow. Which is a reference. Oh, to the <laughs> to the earlier conversation, yes. I, and I I just said I'm doing really well, Mr. President, and he goes, "Good man, good, good man. man, wow." It's amazing how fragile things get. It is. Well, so I mean, you like, know, people people <laughs> somehow think that the people who are in those situations are somehow significantly different than they are. But but we're just human beings. Yeah, making trying to make the most intelligent decision and all I, look, and I, trying to make it. I am. You know, in, when I get into a bad humor, I don't think it's a very good meeting. Um, I've often made the uh, comment that, you know, this NSC meeting sounds a lot like my dad and his friends on Friday night. It's <laughs> <laughs> a little iron sitting and some cigar smoke. I, would have helped. Would have helped. How 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 safe are we now, Mike? How safe? I mean, a, a lot of the things that have happened, you know, this whole thing is the last, you know, since 9-11, obviously, and... Uh, so it's how, how are we now? So we are more States. safe than we were on September 10th, 2001, even right. though you and I didn't know we were not very safe. Sure. We yeah. are less safe than we were one, two, three, four, five years ago. Okay. Kind of hard to do do this for you, Jimmy, in a graph on, on, on a podcast, all right? Yeah. But if your but, folks can imagine my left hand in the air, mm. and I'm saying that's where we are. That's where we were on September 10th. Yeah. And then because of the work of two administrations, let's right. give credit. Yeah. My, my left hand is going down, going down, going down, looking good. Okay. I'm liking this. Sure. Then about 2011, my left hand starts going back up, back up, back up, back up. And it is much higher than it was one, two, three, four years ago. Hmm. Not as high as it was back then. Okay. But we're worse off than we were a few years ago. Just a... Uh, more groups more groups so it is? um different types of groups uh believe it or not hmm. isis is a populist movement hmm. whereas al-qaeda was an elitist movement and so the kinds of things we're arguing about in american politics yeah yeah terrorists argue about the same things uh, okay <laughs> uh, uh, isis is kind of bottoms up you know oh, yeah. make a bomb in the kitchen of your mom and go do it which is actually the title of a 
an article wow. in, their, in their magazine, mm -hmm. whereas Al-Qaeda was careful, strategic, calculating, and here comes the good part, yeah. slow-moving, <laughs> complicated, huh. easier to detect. Okay. So this is a little tougher because they're a little more much, erratic. Much, much tougher. To, now, now, the good news is, the good news is the ISIS approach yeah. can never pull off a 9-11. Okay. That's too hard. That's too complicated. It's just too haphazard. These people are just whatever, right. impulsive or whatever. But they, they can pull off Orlando. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's, will there be a way to defend against this, do you think, um, Mike, in the future? Do you think there's some way? This, this, this is Because it seems almost like an impossible problem. Let me, let me give you a comparable question. Mm -hmm. Can you solve crime? No. <laughs> so it's at that. We're at that. Yeah. And, and so. That's and our future. For, for, for the planning for the planning yeah. horizon, as it's, they say, yeah, that's that's kind of where we now we don't right. have to we don't have to accept crime. Right. We can reduce crime. We can punish criminals. But it's going to be there's no way we can stop <laughs> but, that no. some form of it. No, in other words, yeah, um, not in the short term. Hmm. Look, let me, let me say something that the current administration would call politically incorrect, but I don't. Hmm. This is about Islam. Now, it's not about all of Islam, and for right. God's sake, Jimmy, it's yeah. not about all Muslims. Sure. But there is a great civil war going on inside one of the world's great monotheisms. Hmm. I mean, keep in mind, we're all people of the book. Sure, we're Catholic. We're, 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 all, we're all children of Abraham. Sure. All three monotheisms came out of the same desert. Okay. Different playbooks to God, but we all believe in God. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of parallel in the playbooks. All right? So I don't, this is not me bad-mouthing Islam or repeating something someone else said about they all hate us. All right? <laughs> Or at least most yeah. of them is what he said. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't believe that at all. But it's equally inaccurate to say this has nothing to do with Islam. Yeah. There is a struggle within Islam. Actually, I'm not going to repeat my Western Civ courses to you, but, yeah. but it is very similar to the struggle within Christianity in the 17th century that, that was by and large resolved by the Thirty Years' War in Europe, which is the last great war of religion. In, in, in Europe. By the way, that war was uglier than this one. The only thing that war didn't have yeah. was social media. <laughs> they didn't have a 24-7. Right. <laughs> right. Man, that's a... Now, let, let, let's shift gears, uh, you know, to, to something lighter. Uh, lifelong... Yeah, then the 30 years war in terms yeah, of... Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's pretty easy. <laughs> we know. That's pretty low bar. Let's it's get a little lighter to, than that. switch over. Yeah. We're talking a little Steelers, because I know you're a diehard yeah. Steeler fan. Yeah, and, and who were those guys last night? We grew up with. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's preseason. You know, pre but uh, <laughs> lifelong Steeler fan. Favorite Steeler moment oh, for you? Oh, God. Um, you know, that's a really hard question. It's tough. Mine it is going to really be. It really is. Is, is, uh, is the catch at that Super Bowl you mentioned I, in Tampa? I, to me, that was amazing. It was, but it was I, miracle, but you know, when I think back on it, mm -hmm. it was the Harrison interception in the same game. Yeah, right before the right half. before the half. It was amazing how he got to the end zone. Uh, yeah. I'll never know. Yeah, that was that was the greatest Super Bowl ever. Yeah, and we no, had some actually, great Super Bowls. Actually, um, my kids mm -hmm. or someone bought me a book. Yeah. Uh, the ten greatest Super Bowl moments ever. Four of them are Steelers. Yeah. That four number steals. That, <laughs> yeah. That's us. Now, yeah. It's funny. Growing up on the north side, Harry it told. I want you to tell the story in the podcast. Uh, you guys get they got to know Clem, Roberto Clement. Harry, was, that's uh, all Harry's. It's work. All, it's, yeah. I'm in the Air Force. I'm gone. You're by gone that. at that point. Yeah, yeah. Harry. Harry uh, is, became friends with. Uh, were, you were little, right, Harry? Come on, you jump on, buddy Harry Hayden here. 
uh, Harry, uh, now you're gone at the Air Force at this point. You're off and uh, Actually, when, we, when Harry gets to know Roberto, yeah. it's at, at Three Rivers. Yeah. All right? I am. You guys I, lived how close to, on the next door? Right? The, house, the house that Mike was born in, they tore down to build Three Rivers. It would have been uh, okay. probably close to where the north end zone at Heinz Field is now. Yeah. And uh, then we moved up the street. Uh, they Three tore everything blocks, else down. Blocks. Okay. Yeah. It would be the house would be adjacent to home plate at PNC Park now, where that hotel is. Okay, uh, so Clemente, Clemente, you were a little kid, and Clemente comes walking by the house, or we go right to park there or something. No, my right? dad, right before the stadium opened, uh, they still had security there because they had to, you know, protect everything that they had, even though the pirates hadn't moved in yet. Yeah. My dad would get off the bus from work and wave to the security guys every day, and every Friday he would send me down with 12 16 ounce Iron City returnables. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, give, give it to the security guys and tell them where you live and who you are. So I did that for about a month uh, every Friday before the stadium opened. And came opening night, he said, here's five bucks, go down and see your buddies. So I go down and, you know, it's mayhem opening day, the stadium. And uh, they're saying, sorry, folks, this is media, media and players only, media and players only. Hey, hair, what's up? Come on in. And uh, <laughs> who's your favorite player? Oh, Roberto Clemente. Uh, come with me. They take me back in the locker room and. Clemente wasn't there. He said, he must be out on the field. We'll go out there. So as we were going out on the field, he was coming in. And uh, the security guy said, Roberto, I want you to meet Harry. He's your biggest fan. He lives right up the street. He said, get to know him. So Clemente took me into the locker room. And You know, one thing I remember, even though I was only about nine years old at the time, yeah. when we went into the locker room, he took me over and sat me on the stool in front of his locker. And I guess he had to go to the bathroom or something. And he said, wait, wait here. I'll be right back. And it was mayhem with all the reporters and players and everything, you know, opening night. But I remember when he walked across that room, every person stopped what they were doing just to watch him. Sure. And when he came back in, the same thing. There was just something about him. He just had this touch of royalty mm -hmm. about him that uh, people just couldn't take their eyes off him. Harry had a conversation with the 43rd president of the United States about Roberto. <laughs> I could, I, Harry showed me pictures. Of, I, it was the greatest, man. You guys, I'm living my I, life through you guys. President Bush is kind of, kind of yeah. leaning towards oh, all your yeah. all your sports greats are stewards, and Harry corrects him. You went right in. Yeah, yeah he said, oh, yeah, the Pirates. He said, Stargell, and uh, he said, Mazeroski hit the home run. He said, that's about all you got. And I went, uh, Clemente. And, and, uh, <laughs> President Bush stopped in his tracks and turned to me. He said, oh, my God, how could I forget that? <laughs> he said he was the greatest ever. Uh, this, this is from a baseball man. That's I mean, right. He, big he, time, right? He's an owner. owner. Yep. Yeah. Big, big sports Ranger. guy. Yeah. That's right. Oh, Harry, man, um, Harry had such a fondness for, for Three Rivers that yeah. after, before, during, or after they imploded it, um, he managed to get three stadium seats that are now welded to the floor of my deck in – in northern virginia um they uh i think they came our way the way most major appliances did in our household they fell off the back of a truck hey it's how it happens right now, yeah, it's <laughs> how it happens here well you know we we talked this on the on the radio show a while back but, you know harry and i of course mike you already know we're great athletes we played in the outfield softball for many for years needs hotel yes needs hotel you know but mike mike you, you were uh you played I think you see he played quarterback. Did, did Dan Rooney, Mr. Rooney, was your coach? Dan Rooney is my coach. It's a pretty Kathy, cool story. Kathy, I always thought this Kathy was a cool grade school football league. Yeah, yeah. Northside, St. Peter's, where Dan still goes to church. Was, yeah. our, was our parish too. He was the coach of the team. I sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Roll out quarterback or yeah, no, we didn't throw the ball much. 
<laughs> Ronnie quarterback. When, 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 when pressed, he said, why'd you make him quarterback? His, his answer is he could remember the plays. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, – yeah, you you uh, moved on to you know West Point. It, it, it's a pretty spectacular uh, a career, if you think of it, uh, uh, Mike. And uh, it's 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 pretty amazing for a Pittsburgh guy. And you never forget your roots. You're always, uh, just like I said, you're with uh, your your friends. You're loyal. Your friends for life, up or down, man. That's it's a great. That's part of a Pittsburgh quality, I think. I look, like we were saying look, part it of it. Makes, wanna... Jimmy, it makes a big difference. Um, one of the most commented on chapters in the book mm -hmm. is chapter 13 and it's it's about my time in pittsburgh yeah and when i finished the first draft penguin said so where's your bio <laughs> i go ahead not my, my bio it's about cia he says no no you got to put the bio in there and so i waited until chapter 13 and i tie it i i tie it uh, duquesne had invited me to come back to do the graduation speech uh -huh. and i was director of cia by then yeah. So it's in the it's in the back half of the book in the CIA section, mm -hmm. and I say I'm coming back to Duquesne, and then I start telling stories about yeah that's where I grew up and here's how I went, and I have a, and I uh, I refer to something that really impressed me. If you go up the incline, and and Harry was kind enough to go double check and research this for me as I'm writing the book, mm -hmm. you go up the incline at the top, there is an article by Ernie Pyle, who the great World War II war correspondent who was actually killed during the war. Mm. This is pre-war. He's traveling through America, and he gives a, a lengthy article. It's like I said, tacked to the bulletin board at the top of the incline yeah. about visiting Pittsburgh. I think 1940, maybe 1939, and he has a great line in there: "This place just goes to work." <laughs> That's Which, us. Yeah, it absolutely yeah, the, is the, us. The value of work. You mentioned loyalty. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's the value it's of true. work. It's I mean, true. You know, quit whining. Go to work. Quit whining. It, we're not that. We're not that way. You know. As we wrap up uh, the, the show, I have to ask you. You know, I know we're not political. And when you get, you know, we're neutral publicly. Publicly. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, all of our personal stuff. But you know, I. It's like for me for inter now you would have much a hundred million times more credibility. For me, I always think entertainers when they give their political views. I'm like. Who cares? He's <laughs> like, you're an entertainer. <laughs> Stay in your lane. But uh, Donald Trump, he's, uh, let's just say this. Let's ask you this. Are you surprised that he got this far? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I am. I am. But in retrospect, I can understand why. I, I, yeah. I'm, Jim, I get asked this on TV from time to time. Sure. And I really get asked this by my foreign friends. Yeah. Kind of like, what the hell are you people doing? <laughs> and and, 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 my, my, and my, answer, my answer is... Look, each major party had within it a primal scream, mm. all right? Now, mm -hmm. the primal scream didn't win the Dem nomination, right. but it was closer than everyone thought. And you, you, you strip those superdelegates away, that's a horse race, mm -hmm. all right? And, yeah. oh, by the way, there are only two running. Over here on the Republican side, the primal scream wins. Mm -hmm. Again, based on circumstances, there's too many running at the beginning, the vote's diluted, he gets traction and so on. But there's a lot of primal screaming going on here in both parties. Yeah. And my only point is you can't govern with a primal scream. Mm. I mean, you, you've got to have something more behind it. And, and so I've, I've expressed my, my concerns. Sure. This might be interesting for your, for your listeners. Mm. So I was in England early June. Actually, I was in Wales. And uh, by the way, it looks just like Western Pennsylvania. It does? Yeah. 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 And, and oh, by the way, it's coal country. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, 
And so I'm at this magnificent festival called Hey on Why. I'm pushing the book. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a 10-day it's a festival. Yeah. And um, Hey on Why is, you know, uh, smaller than Emsworth. Okay. <laughs> okay. And so they, they can't put up all the people who are there. Okay. And, and so Small some of the folks who have uh, country homes put the people who are coming in for the festival up, the speakers. Yeah. And so this is a wonderful, I mean, I was, I was happy to push the book, but we went to a lot of other events. It was spectacular. And a lot of the other speakers were staying. And so can you can imagine what breakfast and dinner looked like? <laughs> and, oh, you won the Nobel, huh? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and interesting I, I will tell you, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 to my dying day, I will never mm. forget. And we talked a lot about our campaign. Sure. And one Britain who had great international experience, just turned to me in the course of one of the meals and says, yeah. you people do realize how much we depend on you, don't you? Sure. We are we are the big brother of and the so, world. <laughs> well, it's just not that. I mean, we are powerful. In the con in but economic. We're, but we're value-based. Um, you know, you know that there's a big argument about American exceptionalism, and, and you know, in mm -hmm. both campaigns, and 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 so on. Talk. You know what makes the definition of exceptionalism mm -hmm. is when somebody big and strong makes decisions for the good of the order, mm -hmm. rather than a narrowly defined national interest. Mm -hmm. And by and large, Jimmy, since World War II, we've been that. We're kind of that guy. We have been that country. And and now people are worried mm -hmm. that this still very powerful country. Right is going to stop making decisions for the good of the order, which, oh, by the way, help us in the long term. Yeah. Stop making decisions for the good of the order hmm. and now begin to make them for narrowly defined, close-in, transient national interests. Mm -hmm. It will be interesting. Let's just say what we're happening on that. <laughs> you want to know something interesting? <laughs> yeah. Give me that first intel briefing to candidate Trump. That's going to be That's interesting. That's going to be interesting. <laughs> what is this stuff? Jewish. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> I got a beautiful briefing for it's you here. Beautiful, spectacular. Knock your socks off. It's, the, it's the greatest ever. It's knock my socks. It's unbelievable. And then, tremendous, tremendous, and, and, terrific. And, and, but you know, to be fair and to try to put some balance uh, into this. Yeah. So how do you how do you brief the other candidate? You know, yeah. I always I, I look at them. That, you know, somebody said the other day, say, uh, you know, Donald Trump be successful in anything he did, and and I think yeah, he probably would be. He'd probably be like a successful like plumber. His toilet is huge. It's fantastic. It's huge. It's tremendous. And Hil Hillary, I, I think Hillary would would uh, uh, she she looks like to me. I, I love it with me balanced. So she looks okay. like a uh, a bad magician after a trick. Uh, she'll give a story. I met this woman, Mary Williamson, the other day. I was having my chicken salad sandwich in the diner where I hang. You know, like, <laughs> and she said to me, "Help me." She and then she goes like, her eyes is wide, and like the trick just happened. What do you think? <laughs> it's really bad. So I got it. Yeah. Well, you know, so. So we got so, two. So I got a Kennedy. view here, all right? And I, I, I'm very concerned about one. But, you know, no, no enthusiasm for the other. I, I'll give you an example. I gave actually on TV this past yeah. week. All right? So you come back after two years. Jim Comey does all his stuff. He gives his big speech. He lays it all out. All right? Two years, you get to practice <laughs> for the question you know is coming. Chris Wallace asks it on Fox News Sunday. Mm -hmm. And you blow it. <laughs> okay, you, you give an answer that is not just incorrect, but untrue, mm -hmm. that owns, earns four Pinocchios from the Washington Post mm. fact checker the mm -hmm. next day, at which point, although I'm still really concerned over here, I got questions over here, not just about uh, 
uh, about character. Right. I've got questions about competence. Sure. If you if you blow that question, I mean, literally, that's an unforced error. Just you know, just. So it, ain't this a happy time? It is, well, that's the thing. It's like you said, the first day, either president, when they get there, you know. Well, I tell you what. On? There's here's one thing though. All right. Yeah. Somebody's going to get 270 or more electoral votes. It's my little piano solo. I like to do it yeah, toward the end of the show. I, do little, and, I have a piano. I'm sitting at a piano. Everyone knows that. And, we get, <laughs> and we're going to get to call somebody Mr. or Madam President, period. Yeah. And there will be a peaceful transfer of power, despite all our storm and drong, all our rending our garments right now. To, to rest us at ease or not, how power, because you're on the inside, how powerful is the president this time in 2016? How Pre- powerful? president's very powerful. Okay. So uh, it's not just look, like a movement, a group of people. It's no, no. They, that person no, look, look, is powerful. Uh, look at, look at um, the current president mm-hmm. and what he's been able to do mm-hmm. by executive order and executive fiat. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not passing any judgment on what he did or didn't do. Sure. I'm just You're telling just you. could do it. What, look at what he it. did with a Congress that is absolutely opposed to him. So there is yeah. still significant power. And, 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 and Jimmy, in the, in the parts of government that I'm experienced in, national security policy, intelligence policy, Constitution gives incredible authority to the president. To the president. Wow. But right. I, let me give you an example. All right. Uh, I am required by law when the president tells me to go out and do it. I was required by yeah. law yeah. when the president tells me to go out and do a covert action to inform the Congress. That's the verb, Jimmy. Right. Inform. Inform. Not get their approval. Huh. Inform. Just let them know what's happening. But that's yeah. that. You're that's still going to happen, though. Right. That's, well, no. Doing a great job so far. <laughs> you did a wonderful job in, in your tenure. And as we yeah. wrap the show up, uh, I want to bring in a little. We're doing a bonus here on, on, on the show. Uh, my buddy, uh, as you know, uh, General, uh, every, a lot of fans here and then all over the country, all over the world. But of course, Pittsburgh's your home. So yeah. my buddy Craig Wolfley wanted to stop by and say hello to you, former Steeler great, my buddy. Hi, everybody. I'm Craig Wolfley, and welcome to a new season of the Pre-Game Meal Podcast on the Pittsburgh Podcast Network. Starts September 9th with Tunch Ilkin, with myself. All the best you can get in breaking down an upcoming Steelers opponent right here on the Craig Wolfley Podcast. Wolf, come on, Wolf. Uh, grab a seat here. Just, just chatting. He wants to say hi to you. Uh, he is a, uh, a fan, and uh, as I know you're a huge Steeler fan, so I thought we could yep. chat just well, a few great. minutes here with Wolf and Say hello. His great son, his son Kyle, is uh, okay. is also uh, went to West Point, uh, graduate. I understand. Uh, I remember. Yeah. No, he actually Ranger was. The, he just rotated out of. Um, first of all, let me say I'm honored to sit no, here with you, General. Oh, I thought you mean. I thought you were talking to me. Well, oh, sorry, I was yeah, getting, Mike. I was, too, getting, Mike. I was getting yeah, over to General Jimmy Hayden. here in just oh, a yeah. second, it's, it's but it's a privilege and an honor. <laughs> Uh, but no, he rotated out of command of the 1325 82nd Airborne down at Bragg, okay. and he is now getting his, believe it or not, a Wolfley is getting a PhD from oh, right. Cornell. Then he goes back. back to, is they sending him back to West Point? They're going Point? back to West Point right. to teach. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's like Tunch said when he heard that he graduated with honors from West Point. He yeah. goes, wow, when the apple fell from that tree, it didn't just fall, it landed the next valley over. <laughs> <laughs> so what are they what are they going to send him for the PhD for? Um, that's one of those um, real high, uh, you know, uh, strategery things that yeah. you know idiots like me we don't know. I don't know, Maybe man. I didn't ne- even graduate well, from Syracuse, so the, what well, am I going to say? Make Calby the next uh, General Hayden, head of the CIA. Is that, is that that's sort of the path great. in a way, right? The credential. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think we're going to have to. 
I would love to just bring them on by sometime. <laughs> <laughs> hey, General, just happened to be in your neighborhood here in Northern Virginia. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you know General uh, Hayden, Mike is a huge Steeler fan, Wolf, and of course you being a former uh, Steeler. And, oh, my and heavens, yeah. That. We were I talking about Steeler memories here. Wolfly and great in the same – I'm sorry. I don't remember. I got <laughs> hey, Lambert on, and great. Wolf. Joe Green and great. All Steelers are great. Uh, <laughs> we're Pittsburghers, man. It was – you know what? It, it, it's such yeah. an awesome thing to, to go mm-hmm. in there and see those guys and, and watch them and everything else. What a privilege it was to wear the black and gold and to be a part of that. It is. It's a, the way the organization oh. – it's a real bond. And it, uh, like you said – Mike, it, it's it's kind of like oh, I, it always made you. They always make you feel like home, no matter where you were. All your oh, travels yeah. in a weird way. See a Steeler game. You see it. You could be in uh, Czechoslovakia or wherever you were in the world. In you the see basement that of the Marine House in Toronto, Albania. Play, <laughs> really? Wow. Playoff game against the Browns. You're kidding. Okay, there wow. you go. But it gives you that little slice of home, right? Yeah. That little oh, warmth. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, look, and, and 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 you're right, Craig. I mean, it's a different kind of franchise. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, there there are a couple similar. I think the Giants are kind of in the same neighborhood and mm-hmm. they've intermarried yes <laughs> as, yeah. as you know yeah but but there aren't many uh, i think green bay kind of in the same yes anyway, but there yes. are a whole bunch you know storied you legendary and and but 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 traditionally strong because of the strength and values of the organization it starts with the owner and the yeah. founder yeah. now what now wolf I, I know you were driving over here and thinking of General Hayden, you probably want to ask him a question. I'm sure you have something. You say, boy, I'd love to ask General Michael you know, Hayden a question. Do you have anything? What was, I know there has to be something. Oh, yeah, there's go no ahead, question. Give, I have a ton of them. Well, go All for right. one. Go All for right, one or first two. One. Was yeah. there a shooter on the yeah. grassy knoll? No. <laughs> <laughs> Had to ask it. Yeah. Had to I ask knew it. that was the one. No, you're yeah. not going to go to Area 58 either, right? We're uh, not talking that, all right? No, 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 59. no, no Roswell stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You know, General, it is, uh, it's, it's awesome because I – you know the, the privilege privilege of watching my son go through West Point yeah. and seeing what these young people do, and what they go through, and then to see an accomplished man like yourself, you know, coming through to the higher echelons of it. Uh, Are you talking to General Hayden or me again? <laughs> Sorry, I guess no, confused. Would be I get Hayden, confused. Brother. Sorry, but my, you know, sorry, Jimmy, well, I love you because you're, get, you're in the same light only in comedy. <laughs> It's just a comedy, it, bro. But yeah. um, the the beauty of it is is to see what they sacrifice and what. Oh God, what, yeah. I, yeah. They're, they're amazing to me. And let me add, and their families. Yes. Mm-hmm. The let me tell you, yeah, you put is. on those spouses and children. Yes. General, when my son was in uh, Afghanistan, he was uh, in Madakan, uh, right by, uh, by the Paki border there, and Patika Province. Yeah. That was the longest year of my mm. life. Yeah. I will I empathize. And matter of fact, I had the honor of speaking Veterans Day at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And the first thing I had to say was, I apologize to every veteran here for every time I didn't weep at your loss of, of you know, men, uh, comradeship, uh, that whenever you uh, deployed and mm-hmm. I, I saw you at the airport and I saw the families, you know, it's tough, you know, when, when, when you come back and didn't get out and high-five with you when I seen you out, you know, and I mean, that... The, the sacrifice of families and, and our men and women that, that deploy is just amazing. You know, it's kind of a magic moment, too, at Heinz in the middle of the third quarter yes. when they, they bring out a local vet. Mm. And, and, and what makes it magic mm-hmm. is that in the Steeler huddle, the players will turn towards the vet coming out on yes. the field and they will, they will applaud. They will applaud, and I love that. And yes. I will tell you, Veterans Day, four or five, 
four years ago or whatever, I didn't realize that on the Jumbotron, they had the vets out there, and they started flashing pictures. And they had pictures of um, some of our military personnel overseas showing their terrible towel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the first ones up was my son Kyle yeah. in the village this, the with a little packet, uh, a little um, Afghani boy mm-hmm. holding a terrible towel. And, and Tunch was on the air with Billy and that, and he goes, "What is it? Let's go down. What are you?" And I couldn't even speak. I was like, oh, "I was all choked up." There's my son on the jumbotron with a, with his terrible towel, you know. And it, how do you put that into words? Yeah, it was incredible. Exactly right. Special, yeah, absolutely special salute to all the veterans out there. It's, you know, as you said, it the families, with the founders, General Hayden, as you, you know? said, the, the families too. It, what they have to, they they're giving the, yeah. the service to our country. World War II during the greatest generation, they say, but this generation, they're great. They're right up there, and the patriotism is is, is just amazing. It makes you proud to be an American when I just uh, see them or even hear these stories. Uh, just a great salute to them. It's, it's I got to tell they this deserve story. so much credit. I think General Hayden would appreciate this. We were in MetLife Stadium. It was the opening um, preseason game, Giants Steelers for the first <laughs> in the opening of this brand new stadium. So I'm up in the press box, and um, yeah, Mr. Rooney comes in. You know, uh, he, he comes in. He's he's doing what he calls loafing with the press guys before the game. Well, this new security guard in this new MetLife Stadium is standing up there and notices that there's no press pass and no ID on Mr. Rooney. So he comes up to Mr. Rooney and says, I'm sorry, sir, but uh, you don't have any ID, da-da-da-da, and you're going to have to go. Mr. Rooney looked at him and goes, oh, okay. And he just went on, you know, and, and yeah. left. And so the security guard comes back after, you know, kind of flexing his muscles there yeah. a little bit. And he's he looks at me and he looks at Bob Labriola and he goes, so, he seemed like a nice guy. Who was that? And Bob Labriola goes, well, you, you just threw out the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and the sitting U.S. ambassador to Ireland. Have a good day. Ben Quinton. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, oh my exactly. God, that's amazing. But what you know, I mean, what I love about that—it's a picture of the humility. The humility. We were oh, talking yeah. about Mr. that earlier, Rooney, too. Yeah. and it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really does. That's that Pittsburgh quality we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Just work. Go to work. Go to work. Do your job. Go to work. Do the job. Yeah. Uh, General Michael, hey, thank you so much for, thank you. for taking the time out. It's always an honor to, to to talk to you and and just want to, just cherish our friendship, Mike. Thank, thank you. you, you and Harry too. Thank you, Harry. Appreciate it. Wolf, thanks for stopping by, brother. Hey, what a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You're the man. You're the man. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Just happened to be in the neighborhood. Just happened to be dropping by, <laughs> driving by like you do. <laughs> yeah. you know, typical Saturday afternoon. Just a typical Saturday cruising. afternoon. Playing to the edge, Amer- uh, playing to the edge, American intelligence in the age of terror. General Michael Hayden, I'll tell you what, pick up that book, you won't put it down. I just, I couldn't put it down. Uh, I have already signed on uh, to play General Hayden in the movie. <laughs> Very Somehow. Sad. He wanted Brad Pitt, but we're going to we're gonna, I think we should go. My, come on, right? We can do it, Mike. Can we put a word in? Somehow I think if I write a book, intelligence is not going to be a word in any of them. <laughs> you know what's funny? Like, like, who, who, who are we going to get to play you in the movie? We've got to think. Every book, because of, like great seller, becomes a movie. We've got to yeah, think yeah, of something. we got to pick somebody good. You know, uh, my my successor, Liam Panetta, yeah. in Zero Dark Thirty, was played by the late uh, James Gandolfino. Yeah. Oh. Who did? Yeah. Who actually was a really good choice to play. Later. Yeah, nailed it, huh? Yeah, choice. wonderful actor. Yeah. Wonderful actor, man. Got to get like Jason Statham. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> right? you know, I'm thinking. You go. I'm thinking that you got to keep the Pittsburgh accent in there. Oh, you know. Okay. So, right. so how about Dennis Miller? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis would love it. <laughs>
<laughs> I don't know if you'd want to shave his head, though. Where he, yeah. <laughs> get those jag off side of the room. That's where you got to get a little, you know, get a little slang in there with Pittsburgh A's. That's oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Have you used jag off ever in, in, a, in a Actually, meeting? you know, I, 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 um, Selena Zito. Uh, for, writes for the Trib, yeah. had an article about two weeks ago in which she said, it's perfectly all right to use the word jagoff. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd grown up for <laughs> 70 years thinking that was a bad word. And <laughs> so, so I sent her a note back saying, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But, but you know, I was, little, I was a little stunned when Pittsburgh dad's up on the jumbo yeah. at the stadium saying, don't be jagoffs here at the game. Ah, <laughs> that's right. Well, growing up, that wasn't, it evolved. Yeah. It evolved into yeah. warmer. It's warmer now. Apparently, there is, there is some Nordic <laughs> derivation to the phrase. <laughs> oh, my God. I, my my, my, my best line is um, a... Um, I, I I talk about uh, um, yeah. police police power of the state and mm -hmm. how we limit that you know yeah. and um, like I, I said well look like, like like I come to these meetings with a backpack so I said, when I'm done with my talk here I go out and I'm on I'm right in the front of the hotel and all yeah. of a sudden a local police car comes screaming up hits the brakes jumps out looks at me says open the bag and I said <laughs> I will respond I think with a a two-word monosyllabic old English phrase <laughs> that roughly translates to, oh, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, that's very Nordic that sounding. Yeah, like that. I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, General Michael, thanks, Mike. I Thank appreciate you. that. Uh, everybody buy the book. It, it's, it's incredible. Download it. Get it on your Kindle. Wolf, great seeing you. With you. Uh, Always a, a quick, pleasure. Quick prediction on the Steelers. I know it's early, buddy. You feeling good? You know what? I, I don't know how to predict these things. Feeling you know? good, though, out there? They, they look good. The offense looks like Eric Coriel back in the day. Well, here's the thing about it. You can't afford any more self-implosion. You know yeah. I mean, you got to make sure everybody gotta get on the stays field. healthy, everybody gets on the field, mm -hmm. and then you've got to be able to have some people step up in the key places. Looking good, buddy. Uh, you working out on me or something? No, that's it's a loose black sweatsuit. Quick way to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> we going to take General to a nice buffet? Do we have, we got to pick one out here. Oh, yeah. That's our thing. Any Golden Corral. Let's go, Let's baby. Let's go. We're off. We're off. We've got a new sponsor now. Today's <laughs> Jim Crenover's Pittsburgh Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Jim Cran of Jim Cran No Restrictions. I just wanted to take a time out to thank you for listening to the show. We have a little over 100,000 subscribers now every week listening to the show. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or jimcran.com and subscribe today. And thanks again.